Hello, and welcome to Privacy Learned with myself, James Shaw. On this episode, I sat down and had a chat with Andrew Glass. Not only has Glassy been involved in the quality markets for over 25 years, he's an entrepreneur and a mentor for women in the mining and resources sector. But on top of that, he's one of life's generally decent people. As always, I loved having a chat with him, and I hope you enjoy hearing some of his life lessons, such as listening to previous generations, being your own person, being open to experiences, and creating community. Enjoy. Any comments, feedback, please let us know. Always good to hear um, how it's received. So as I say, enjoy. Good to see you. I haven't seen you for a little while, so it's really good to see you again, albeit remotely. How's things? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Yeah, last time, last time I wasn't sporting a beard like this. <laughs> no, it's a bit of an awesome beard. I mean, like, same for the people who can't see it. It's pretty impressive. I must admit, I'm I've got beard envy, very much so. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'll give you a quick intro about what the podcast is all about. Yeah, um, I lost my parents a few years ago, so I just want to pass on life lessons to my kids. Because, uh, quite frankly, as I was saying to you beforehand, they don't listen to me. So, hopefully, I listen to people that have been there, done that, and got the t-shirt and seen some different things in life. So with that in mind, I mean, like, you've been involved in the international commodities market now for is it over 25 years across four yeah. continents. Yeah. Um, you're an entrepreneur by your own nature. You do public speaking, consultancy work. You're a director and mentor for uh, at Weimar, so that's the Women in Mining Resources. And you're a big advocate of gender equality. So you've got a wealth of experience, a load of life lessons. How did you get to where you are now? Um, well, I suppose a good question, really. I mean, it's it's basically when I was finished university, didn't pretty much know what I wanted to do. Um, and I'd seen a, a documentary about 10 minutes on Benin in West Africa, and I thought if that didn't travel much outside of Australia, when I was younger, I thought, look, if I ever if I ever get the opportunity to travel, that'll be fantastic. I'll, I'll make my way there. So after uni, didn't know what to do, so I did a year backpacking. And part of that, I did some work experience in West Africa. Um, so I saved up before I left Australia and worked in bars. And I think that's that's kind of something that's quite important too, just working and understanding people, working in a bar or somewhere which, which is people interaction, right? So I think that was kind of formative as well with the direction I took because I love, you know, working with people. Um, went to West Africa to have a look at Benin and this completely different world and did some work experience in rice, coffee and sugar trading. And I just loved the multi-dimension of it, the people involved. Um, it was extremely dynamic um, and I was, I was hooked, captivated by it. Mm-hmm. Um and since then, I suppose if I jump forward, also worked with some universities and stuff as well, and then go in and, and try and talk to people about my experiences in the commodity space that we've all had the privilege, I frankly think, to have a career in that space. And, you know, I put up pictures of a lot of them want to go and work in tech and you put up pictures of server farms, go, you want to go and visit that or do you want to go to a local pub and meet with a, you know, a farmer or a you know, a tradie or uh, someone who's come off the oil rig or, or um, you know, been down a mine, they're far more fascinating people. And we need commodities, right? It's it's no matter how much we technologically advance, we need commodities. So I think um, I consider myself privileged to have, have found commodities. And you meet amazing people like yourself too, right? I mean, it's, oh, it's great. Come, come it's, on, very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> very kind of you to say so, likewise. Um so I mean, like, it's going to bring me on to a question I'm going to ask later, actually, about the, um, the travel, or whatever. But culturally, people from around the world are so different, but inherently the same as well, right? They just want to put food on the table and 
do business, I guess, and just look after their family, you know. How, how did you do that, like, doing a different cult going from Australia to West Africa? And was it a big, big difference, big shock? Um, look, to be honest, people people respond to the same sort of things, right? I mean, even when you don't speak the language through sort of gestures and having a laugh, basically. I mean, you know, I don't know, a goat goes through the village and sticks their head in a bucket and starts slamming the walls and stuff like that. It's just hilarious, right? And it's the same humour we all have. So it's, you know, and that's how I think you connect with people. Sport's a great way to connect with people and we can probably get onto that a little bit later because, you know, we both involved with rugby um and i think that that's that's a great level or two um and and people are people everywhere around the world at the end of the day right no matter if they're ceo of some great big you know fortune 500 or you know it's someone cleaning the office or whatever i mean everyone's the same if you can talk to everyone um it's a great way to go through life i think as well so i don't think cultural differences make that much of a difference um there's some little nuances and stuff i mean my kid said to me the other day we were talking about if you had a wish Right, if you had one wish, and we were just like having a bit of fun, and they asked me what I and if I had one wish, I'm horrible with languages. I would want to speak every language in the world because, mm-hmm. frankly, everything else would come from that. You can have a joke with people, you can have a laugh with them, you can learn so much um, stories and cultures, and and you know, if you want to make money, you, that'd be easy too. But yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's that's pretty interesting. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a it's a good one to have actually. It's a, it's a good skill. So, I mean, I I think we are pretty lazy in the West though with our language skills, but I think it'll probably change. I mean, you, you probably being based in Oz originally saw that earlier. I think with uh, the Chinese influence and the Japanese influence of trading partners, that you had more incentive to possibly learn those languages more at school at a younger age. I mean, we've only just started to learn it at schools here in uh, Mandarin, for example. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there was when I was when I was growing up and showing my age now as well, right? It was it was there was a pivot to Asia as I was going through school. So we were still learning, you know, European languages, but to be honest, no one really saw the need to yeah. learn them, to be honest. I mean, we we're everyone speaks English in Australia and it was one country. So there was a pivot during my schooling towards Asia, which was um Indonesia, Japanese, um, and China was starting to come. Um I still think we're not you know, English speakers, I think, inherently pretty lazy when it comes to languages. Yeah. I'll be the first to put up my hand on that. Um, but, look, you know, going back to your original question too, I think it's fascinating, the opportunity to travel around the world, meet all different kinds of people, connect with them. Um, you'll always find a way to communicate if you're a humanist, right? And mm-hmm. and that's, that's what... That's what makes us do deals together. That's what makes us honour the deals as well, by the way, in a lot of those cultures, when you've got a personal relationship, right? Um, and that's absolutely critical. Yeah, and I think so even more so as we go into the future as well. I mean, like you were touching on tech earlier. You still can't beat human interaction. And like like you're saying, culture the trust, your your words you bond. You know, once you meet someone and it's you can actually put a face in a name and build up a rapport with someone, you've then got a, a link, you know, there's a, a common link as well. It's the world's a small place, I think. It's, it's a bloody big place, but it's a small place. And I think, as I said earlier, I think people all have got the same needs and wants inherently, and they just want to get on. And how are they going yeah. to do it? Look, I mean, think about you. Think about you. Just you know, all of us get emails. Mm-hmm. You go through, scan through your emails in the morning, and you look at the ones that are most important and the people you like. Yeah. I mean, it's it's you don't you subconsciously do it. Yeah. Right? You saying that's why no one replies to me? Sorry. You saying that's why no one replies to me? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
Can you remember any life lessons from your when you were growing up? Anything person growing up? Anything actually that now resonates? And at the time, maybe it didn't, or something always stuck. To be honest, I think it's if I reflect and I tell the kids this now too, um, your grandparents, they'll be more than likely the first ones that they lose, right? Um, and therefore spending time with them and, and trying to absorb as much knowledge as possible. And I think we've we've lost a lot of that um, in our modern life. And, you know, we travel around the world. We live in different places. My parents are in Australia, for example, and it's hard to spend time with the kids. And there's some technological ways you can do that, obviously. We can, you know, have a Zoom call and stuff like that. But it's not the same kind of lived experience. So for me, it's, you know, the things that my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, you know, he went through the war, um, um, he was a very stand-up citizen and he tried really hard. And my parents used to think he was very harsh on me, but frankly, I think he did exactly the right thing. I needed to put up the derriere, right, um, at times, and he was not ashamed to do it or, or not shy to do it. Um, and I, if I reflect back, he had very good life lessons and, you know, my father reflects on those as well with his father, so it was the same guy. Um, but you also learn, I think, as we get older, we've got to be mature enough to be able to also be our own person and, and to try and learn from other people's experiences, right, and not just repeat the same thing we had because the world's changing at a rate of knots, I think, and probably every generation says it, and realise that you, you don't know a lot of stuff and, and try and learn what we can from each other. So, frankly, your podcast too and having these kind of conversations, I think is a fantastic way of, of trying to trying to assist in that. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, that's the main reason I want to do it is for my kids to see what else is out there and learn from other people because exactly what you're saying, I'm like, if you only hear it from one person, all you're doing is building almost like a, a replication of everyone else, right? You're not, you're not, nothing's changed, you're not evolving and you've got to learn new ideas and make mistakes and hear things and try things out and get it wrong and grow and develop from there, which, you know, which is to say the, the key to this the podcast in the first place but i'd like to touch on as well i'm like you've recently just come back from a big trip with your eldest son right to Papua new guinea and that to me really resonates because i was reading recently of um an article and it's basically saying how how fathers predominantly they see their life with their kids as pretty linear from two points so from birth to death you see it as linear but when you actually shorten it, as you kids get older, they go to university, they get married, and they move on. The actual time you spend with your kids actually gets less and less and less, and it's nowhere near as big as you think it is. So you've got to make quality time while you can and make the most of it. So I'm like, you know, your trip to PNG, it's that sounds awesome. I'm mean, like, is it possible you to explain a bit about that? How it all come about? Yeah, sure. Um, I think you're quite right, but I also think that it's not just about spending the most time. There's there's critical moments in their lives that I think are very, very formative and, um, you know, they're, they're pivotal in how they address their, um, their teenage years and they're going to be tough, right? And, you know, we started, we had our first kid when we were, you know, I was 35, so we're a little bit late starting. It's probably not unusual now. <laughs> A lot of my mates started earlier. So what I started thinking about too, and, and you know, you hear stories about social media and, and some of the, the challenges, both for boys and girls and, um, and you know, whatever. Um, and that scared the bejesus out of me, to be honest. 
Um, I'm really very concerned about that. So I started doing a bit of just informal research, right? Pretty much similar to what you're doing, right? Um, but just speaking to mates who've got kids older, what would have you done differently if you had your time again? And a lot of them had some significant issues during COVID, you know, or, or what was successful, you know, it's just some advice. You, you're a few years ahead of me. Um, and it was particularly looking at people who got kids, I suppose, 15, 16. And at the time, my son's like 12 or 13, our eldest. Um, and the idea was to try and do things preemptively, proactively before those teenage years. Because, you know, we all did silly stuff on teenagers. It's just, you know, um, I know I did a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, I hope the kids don't listen to this. But, yeah, I mean, I did stupid stuff, right? And and so, but it's, I think the the ramifications now can be a lot worse just because people can do something very quickly on social media and suddenly it's a Pandora's box you can't put, put yeah. back in and it can get very bad. Um, so... The best advice I had was from someone to do a father-son trip, the father-daughter as well, right? So father-child trip yeah. at the start of the teenage years. It's something that's challenging to both of you, something that's new to both of you, something that will anchor values. Um, because if they're too young, it's not going to land um, and not stick. Um, too old, you're already starting to you know, deal with yeah. more challenges. So that kind of sweet spot of maybe 12, 13, 14 in there, was kind of the advice I had. So I was like, great. So we went to Papua New Guinea. It was very remote, um, no cell phone coverage, which was a blessing too. Is that um, why you chose there in the first place? Uh, not particularly. That was an add-on. It was more so because the values I also wanted was things around empathy, community, um, understanding the environment, uh, um, you know, values that I think are really important and that I think are going to stand them in good stead for both teenage years and, and for the rest of their lives. So that was, that was in, for me, that was really important. And I work in the environment. I work in carbon markets now too. So we were looking at some projects there. So he could see what I do, um, what our team does. And it was really powerful because it was this world we were passing on to the next generation. Um as we always do, you know, just through being a mammal on this planet. So it was a matter of also seeing, you know, the other side of the world, but their kids, they're trying to protect the forest for their kids, for their future. And it's got the same impact on, well, not the same, but it's got a very relatable impact on me. And that's why I'm bringing my son there as well, because I want them, you know, that next generation, they inherit this. So I think it was pretty powerful. What was interesting is afterwards too, so we had two weeks there in these remote communities. And it took him time to sort of integrate because it's a shock, right? Um, but we're very lucky with the people we're with and, and the community is just amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and then as time went on, he got more and more involved, um, listening, contributing. And then afterwards, a couple of weeks afterwards, I got feedback from other his mate's parents. So he'd go and have a sleepover or whatever. And they'd tell me what he'd been talking about. Now you know it's landed. Mm -hmm. Right. It's one thing for him to tell his grandparents or something like that, but it's another thing when it's going, you know, he doesn't have to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. So, and it, it, it creates an anchor point too that when invariably there will be challenges, we can arc back to that point in time mm -hmm. and what we discussed at that point in time, things about, yeah, respect and community and, and you know, all those kind of things and empathy and, and we've got that anchor point and we'll have that anchor point forever. Mm -hmm. So I will do it with each one of the kids. Okay. Uh, um, and it's important as one-on-one too, I think. 
Yeah. Anyway, sorry, it's a bit longer. No, 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 no. So, no. so you did you did that in April, right? So mid-April. Um, yeah. So it was a couple of months ago. Might have been too soon at the time, but could you see a change while you're out there in him, or have you seen a change since you've been back? Yes, um, I think more of it's been after he's come back, um, and I don't, I'm, I don't want to push it too hard. For, for example, right now, mm-hmm. um, I know that uh, it might influence his career decisions, right? When he wants to study at school and stuff like that, and that's great. But there's got to be his choice too, right? Yeah. I don't want to overly push an agenda with him, mm-hmm. um, but it's the values, it's the value anchor points of of that experience that we will we will arc back to. Um, so I think it's yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not pushing too much for for results now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of. Uh, and about yourself, did you did you, did the trip teach you anything? Is there anything that you took back from it as well? Oh yeah, mate! It was amazing to share together, you know, with him too. And it was very powerful with the communities there. The fact that we, you know, that I took my son from the other side of the world, and and it's not easy to get to. And it's like, you know, I had six hours on the boat with a forty horsepower motor and an open ocean to get to where it is. So there's, you know, there's risk associated with it too, and and all kinds of stuff. So that's that adds to the bonding. But it's um, so I think he and I are much closer, and it's something we've shared that's special between us. Awesome. Um, you know, for me personally, it was great to see that. It's good to see his interaction with the people there too. And it's just, it's, it's a global community. And it's, I mean, it's a bit of a tagline, right? But frankly, you you live it, you feel it. And again, you know, going back to our conversation about languages and, and people, we're all the same, right? So we actually took, and I'll maybe we'll change gears a little bit too, sport has always been very important for, for me, for, for you, for for my kids and I'm trying to instill in them, the values of rugby, frankly, are extremely good. And I think any parent who's looking for a sport for their children, rugby is fantastic. I mean, the respect to the referee, the teammates, that you know, yeah. all of those values that are super good. I mean, you don't see them in sports like soccer anywhere near enough, right? No. And other sports. So we also took rugby balls to the community there because we were looking for something to take with us. Yeah. And that created, again, another level of connectivity because they play rugby there. Yeah. And these remote communities hardly ever see anyone. And on top of that, we go there with a rugby ball on a pump and then we start, you know, having a couple of teams and it was Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that will resonate too, and I think you know, sport like rugby is a lifelong thing as well. So, yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I, I'm I've probably got more mates for life from rugby than I have from any other school, university, whatever like that. Rugby is a great leveler. It's a game for all shapes and sizes, all abilities. It's that team spirit, I think, and like you say, the respect as well. And you just got to play the bounce of the ball, you know. And it's, just, it's the same for everyone. It's a great, great level. It's just, uh, I love the game. Still love. Yeah, it. and I think a lot of people also consider it sort of, you know, from the externally, very, very much. And yeah, it's combat on the field, absolutely. But the camaraderie from it, in the respect for the opposition and the referee and the whole structure around the sport. Yeah. Is something really, really special. And what I've seen over the last, I don't know, decade or more is as things like mental health have become more prevalent or more discussed and more open, you see the rugby community actually really try and support each other too. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's 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 something really good. And men's health especially, I think, when it comes to things like that, um, mental health and even sort of, you know, I don't want to go to 
dark lights on a bit like things like suicide prevention and stuff like that too i mean supporting each other is is really important from that perspective so you know and that's the important thing too by the way from this trip is also to be able to have the ability to talk and have that open relationship to talk with Liam, um, who's my son, don't talk with me. Um, if he does have any problems and stuff, he, he he feels like he can talk to someone. And having opening up vowels too, by the way, while we're on that subject, is having vowels where he, if he's not comfortable speaking to me, he should have alternatives mm-hmm. and set those up so he can speak to someone else if he doesn't feel comfortable speaking to me. But you need to have those vowels, I think. You know, yeah. uh, this is a personal opinion. It's almost word for word, which I've said to, I was going to say both. I think it's, I probably haven't said to my youngest, she's only six, so she's too young. But, but my son, he's, he's 10, and I've said to him, you can always talk to us. Your house, your home is your safe place. Whatever you say here goes no further. It's You've got to be able to feel comfortable. Because I, mean, I, I had a shit time at school growing up, absolutely tired time. I hated it. And there's no way I'd want him to go through that similar situation. But I was probably my own worst enemy at the time because I didn't talk and I didn't use anything as an outlet. And in hindsight, I should have spoken to my parents at the time or my older brother at the time, but I wanted to be able to have that ability to talk to us about anything and he's not judged. You know, it's he can just sound off to uh, Laura and myself and it's just we're soundable for him. And that's why it should yeah, be like a like we also talked about earlier too, that there can be that valve in the ear. You know, it's mum and dad. Yeah, you know, dad's rabbiting on again, right? So I think it's also important to have that valve, which is external, mm-hmm. that they find someone they can trust and they they feel. I had a I had a godmother when I was growing up, right? Well, actually, she's coming over for my fiftieth next month, but um, um, we were first time she travels in thirty years, but she was very close. So anything, I always got very different advice and much more, you know, kind of agnostic device uh, advice. Sorry, which was very different from my parents. Mm-hmm. And so I always found that a fantastic valve and sounding board to have. That which was, like I said, yeah, it was different. She had a different life experience, so her perspe- perspective um, was different as well. So I think having, you know, I found that valuable, and I think that's. That's an important thing for the kids to be able to have too. Yeah. No, very much so. No, I'm, I'm saying it's just, you know, you touched on it earlier, social media scares the life out of me. It really does. Um, but, oh, listen, I think there's benefits to it, but I also think there's a potentially a lot of damage to it as well. And the way kids, even my daughter says she's six, and some of the stuff she comes out with, oh, I shouldn't look like this. He's like, why are you worrying about stuff like that at your age? You know? Yeah. You should be better playing in the garden or playing with the dog, that kind of thing, or playing with your friends, you know, or not not on YouTube or, you know, it's just, it worries me. And it is and it is a Pandora's box, you know. I don't think you're going to go back to how it was before. And it's now – it is a minefield. It's an absolute minefield trying to judge that because it's new to me anyway. It wasn't around when I was growing up. And, you know, some of the stuff that's going on now and how they're trying to judge stuff, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, look, I totally agree. Um it's uh, some of the stuff that really scares me too is accusations that could be made on a class WhatsApp chat. Once that, you know, an accusation like that is, yeah. is made in that public forum, if someone's done something you know, really bad, then they should be held accountable, but not yeah. through social media with the classmates on it. And secondly, if it's a false accusation, I mean, you can just see the, the spiralling out of control yeah. is, and I've heard some horror stories and it's, it's, um, and that's, 
yeah, it's forcing actually the kids to grow up earlier than what we had to as well. No one was running around with a camera. No. Um, and now they've all got a camera on their phones. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like I said, we all made mistakes and, and we will. No one's perfect and it's far from, right? So you've got to be able to talk about it. And, you know, 13, 14, 15, they're not, they're not equipped for no. that. So. And nor should they be. They should be growing up and just enjoying life, right? There's, yeah, exactly. You know, there's a lot to do out there. But even, even that, you, you know, touching on cameras on phones, the amount of times you see stuff now and people are missing the moment or um, looking at the phone rather than actually looking at the event or where they are. No, I agree with you. Um, and then so that was also part of the conversation too on the from the social media perspective when I was away with Liam as well when you got that one-on-one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't stop there, by the way. It continues on afterwards, but you can always just reference that point. So how did you uh, – I'm mean, like, saying so, uh, you, you chose Papua New Guinea. Is that, were you looking at a short list of places to go to or is it always Papua New Guinea, uh, New Guinea from the outset to say this is what we're doing? No, that's a good question. Um, look, we – I was looking at um, – um, at one point, my second my second kids goes, oh, when I do your, the trip with you, can we go to New York and watch a basketball game? Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not the point, right? So just to give a sort of a bit of a baseline, but then with Liam, I didn't give him much of a choice, to be honest. Um, I looked at something like Paddling River or something in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at doing something with Ukrainian refugees, mm-hmm. um, whether we drove over to Ukraine and brought some refugees back from, from there to Switzerland where we live. Um, I looked at a number of different things, which, um, you know, I don't know, working with Room to Read, um, which is a great charity, um, Habitat for Humanity. I looked at a couple of different different things and then I was talking again, doing this kind of survey and, you know, the founder of the business I work with, um, he's got kids in that kind of, you know, a little bit older zone as well. And so I was asking him that same advice I've asked others, right? You know, what, what might have you done differently? Would you recommend and then when I told him my what I intended to do, he's like, ah, mate, you should go and visit one of our projects. That'd be great. I'm like, why didn't I think of that before, to be honest? I mean, that's perfect. That's community. It's it's environment. It's remote. It's challenging. It's, you know, it ticks all the boxes, right? Um, and when it comes to PNG, on steroids because it's it's wild. And you can't visit PNG a lot of the places, by the way, because you need permission from the elders. Right. So if you're going to... Yeah, unless you're going to a specific area like a tourist kind of area or whatever, which doesn't really exist that much anyway. There's not a lot there. People are going for diving or fishing or um, World War Two, you know, hiking the Kokoda Trail or something. So to go where we went, you really need to be invited. So it was a great, it was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity trip awesome. to do it that way. So that's why we landed on Papua New Guinea. Yeah, no, it sounds like a great concert. I mean, I'm definitely something I'm going to do with Monty when he's a little bit older without that. It's just... Just to get that time better of you and spend a bit of time, quality time together, you know, because it goes too quick. I'm finding already we're only ten. Yeah, exactly, and it's you know who knows what will happen, but I, I think he, he will remember that forever. And yeah. um, you know, some of the gifts and little things that we were given by the communities there, some of the experiences. I mean, even the local people on the ground who who you know work on the project we're looking at. There was a fire dance thing that goes all night. It just happened, mm-hmm. and they've never seen it. Um, and we just happen to be right place, right time. Yeah. It just yeah. that's life, though, isn't it? Being in the right place, right time. That's that's what life's all about. You know, that's how you get the experiences. 
Yeah, we well, you, you've got to be open to it, right? As well, not just oh, it's too hard today. It's like yeah. uh, you no, know, get, get out there, get amongst it, right? And yeah. it's another one of the kind of values you're trying to instill in them too. Yeah, because the, the the other thing too is the those communities move at the pace of their environment. They're in harmony with their environment, right? They have challenges, and that's what the carbon projects are trying to help them sort out. But they're in they're in harmony with their environment. They move at the same pace. Um, as the environment, right? And I think kids today too, as my grandfather used to say, used to use the word stickability. They're losing the ability to stick at something, mm-hmm. right? Um, you want to win the rugby championship, right? There's a lot of hard work you've got to do um, to prepare for that, the training and all the rest of it. It doesn't just come. It's not a TikTok 10-second video, right? right? It's like, well, <laughs> you know, the reality of it's not kicking in, that stickability. You've got to work at something, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the, I think the the social media is is sapping that and the creativity is disappearing with it too okay some people are using social media to make money out of creativity awesome right yeah good on you but i don't think that's the majority mm. and it's just too easy to just flick a video flick a video flick a video flick a video yeah uh, yeah I, I was just talking to my 10 year old mm. almost 11 and he said at school they've they allowed now kids to use their phones at lunchtime. And even he, at 11 years old almost, has picked up on He's gone, he doesn't have a phone. Mm-hmm. And he's gone, no one wants to play basketball with me. They literally sit around watching phones, playing games or playing playing on TikTok at lunchtime. Yeah. It's like, really? It's mad. Um, what, so, well, well, the same, my daughter's six, she'll do the same. But what will kill me is she'll watch someone on YouTube playing the game she's got in her room. Yeah. Why, is he, why is he playing the game himself? I just don't get it. They say, yeah, but it's not the same. He's like, no, it's even better. You've got it. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's different world, different world. I just don't get it. But uh, we're going back to uh, Papua New Guinea. I'm like, I bet oh, I probably know the answer to this question already, but I reckon they're a lot happier as a population than, say, the average Joe over here, right? They, they've got, I, I just think it's, not easier, easier life's not the right answer or the right phrase, sorry, but different worries. Yeah. No, you, you're, you're completely right, right? I mean, their, their worries are, for example, things like um, giving birth in a place like that too is, is very difficult. I mean, there's not a clinic around. If it's a breached baby in a birth, then, you know, there's a much higher likelihood of both, you know, mother and or child, more often both, passing away during childbirth, right? I mean, so these things are what we're trying to fix, but they're around the, they're kind of, well, I wouldn't say they're around the edges, but you know what I mean? It's it's incremental value to it, but they don't want what we've got. Frankly, they'd sit here and just go, what the hell? Yeah. Um, community is really important. I mean, the kids are all together. Um, the parenting is shared amongst the community. I mean, you sit there and you look at it and just go, oh, yeah, we think I was talking to someone afterwards and I was going, and even Liam actually, I was talking to him afterwards and saying, we think on this on some sort of scale, a linear scale, there you have um development or you have a sophisticated um society, um, and then you have a primitive society somewhere on the other end of the scale, right? Um, on this kind of linear scale. And it's like, no, not at all. In fact, we could learn a hell of a lot. From the way these communities interact with their environment, um, yeah. they don't eat much meat. You know, not to say they're vegetarian, but you basically, you know, pigs and chickens and stuff are for a celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
they eat a lot of you know the fruit and vegetables like honest uh, you'll never taste a better pineapple for example and it's just they're catching fish when they want it, it they are they have this this harmony what we're trying to help them to do is to avoid having that harmony with their ecosystem impacted by by you know resource stripping um so to give a value to the forest to remain there and they have to protect that forest and make sure that there's not logging going on you know uh, mining that poisons the rivers you know all that kind of thing so that they can and, and create a value a revenue stream to be able to healthcare education some infrastructure access markets i mean kids walking getting up at 3 a.m in the morning and walking to school um crossing swollen rivers and sometimes kids get washed away right i mean yeah. it's 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 that it is in harmony yeah but their problems are far more um far more of an issue right and yeah. their life is kind of problems so if we can help with that and and that's good for Liam to see too right because <laughs> these kids are actually making that effort to get to school you know don't whine about homework frankly i mean she's freaking yeah. privileged um and we can learn so much and i mean honestly we've so much lost touch mm. with just the natural way of doing things and 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 to also come sort of circle back to family again is the fact that the the elders are there they're talking to the kids they're passing down stories you know it's 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 idyllic honestly in many 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 ways and i frankly found it hard coming back to be honest at least yeah, in the next okay. weeks, like dropping back into this kind of and seeing this consumerism and then yeah. it's just it's yeah i think we've got a lot to answer for in the west to be perfectly honest it's just uh you know i think you're, you're seeing it as well um and i think covid kind of sped it up was a lot more push for self-sufficiency but self-sufficiency for others as well uh to go independent not to change anymore you know even like some like the, the coffee plantations and tea plantations to let them be independent let them support themselves and their families you know all that all that kind of push is kind of going that way a lot more ethical which I think it's definitely the way to go, personally. It's just, uh, I think people just want to be happy, right? Um, yeah, they, they do. But some of that, a lot of that happiness, I think, from what I saw too, comes from community, right? So what you're doing with this podcast too, sharing ideas is creating a community, I think. Um, a community sharing different experiences and then bringing that together and then finding your way to, you know, get some ideas out of it that might, might impact the way, you know, your family develops. Mm-hmm. Because we are... Yeah, in this global world where you know I have I've, I've married a Swiss girl, so and we live on the other side of the world to where my parents are, so their interaction with the children is not what it normally would be. Like going and doing woodwork in my my father's garage, so grandparent and kid doing you know, a bit of woodwork together, you know, just things yeah. like that, just pottering around in the garden together. It's just yeah. their memories and their, their that's where you're sharing sort of learnings and ideas and stuff like that. And it's um yeah, we almost have to work. In, somehow perverse a little bit harder to be able to create that sense of community as well so doing these kind of these kind of podcasts is good i mean i don't know if you have the same in the uk for example too they've got this in australia they've got this thing called men's shed um and so you can go down there anytime and there's old blokes there yeah and you know they'll teach you how to use tools and and build things together and just talk right and support each other that's a great idea that's a great idea yeah, it's it's awesome, right? And it's not look. I mean, it's not about sort of not not women or men. You know, yeah. 
we're different in a lot of ways too. So it's it's not an exclusive thing or an excluding thing. It's it's just to give a place where you know men can also share, mm. yeah, you know, their 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 ideas and their their knowledge and yeah. and can talk about stuff too. Yeah, and the kids can learn a skill, and the, the, the older guys can actually pass that skill on. You know, and actually. Exactly. Right. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I've, it sounds great. I mean, I, probably something like that around here, but it should, if it's not, it should be. So I know what I'm doing as soon as I hang up on this call. I've got to find me an old man who learns some woodwork. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just one example, right? It's it's about creating community. It could be a community garden, right? For yeah. yeah. We have to kind of somehow recreate that, but I think. Yeah, there's a lot more of that coming. And I think COVID really rattled people's cages, I think. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah, no, I agree. I do agree. Now listen, I'm very conscious of your time. It's I know you're very, very busy. So thank you very much for coming on. But just before I go, one last question for you. What key bit of advice would you pass on to your younger self? <laughs> just a small question. Oh, that's a good one. Um Listen more, I think. You reminds me. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure, but there's there's this saying about the wise old owl, right? Mm. The the more he saw, the less he spoke. The less he the less. Oh, sorry. Well, the less he spoke, the more he listened. The more he listened, the more he learned. Can't we be like the wise old owl? It's something like that. I haven't got it right, but it's something like that, right? Mm. Now, if you could then tell your younger self to do that more, um, I think that would be we'd yeah. I think listen more. Good stuff. I mean, no. simple as that. Right? We were given no, two well, use my mouth in ratio. No, no, exactly. <laughs> no, 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 that's why it's there, right? So no, that's that's brilliant. Really, really enjoyed that. Thank you very much for your time. It's very, very informative. I'm definitely taking on board a trip with my son, without a doubt, without a doubt. But I know he's going to say he's going to do something like basketball in New York as well. So I'm going to have to try and give him a few options. And that's not going to be one of them. So, well, that, but, but that's the thing too, frankly, is not to – I don't think we should always pander to what they want. Mm. You know, they, they need some direction too. Mm-hmm. And we're the parents, right? We're yeah. the ones instilling the values. That's the best, best thing we can do. So when it comes to something like this – yeah, you know, it's not an entertainment. It's yeah. there's something much bigger at play here, and and they're not experienced enough to lead that. We need to lead that. Yeah. So I, you know, that's why I didn't have the option. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds absolutely awesome. It's brilliant to speak to you again. Uh, it's been a long time. So all the very best. Thanks, really mate. Talk to you and uh, look after yourself. Yep, you too, mate. I hope you enjoyed listening to that. With Classy. Uh, his experiences were just phenomenal. Really, really interesting. Please do check out some of the links to the, the charities he mentioned in the notes. And as always, please do like, subscribe, any feedback, it does generally help. Until next time, take care. Thank you very much. <laughs>